Hello and welcome to Complying with the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's episode 45 of the American Coin Up podcast. I'm your host and editor of the magazine, Bruce Beggs. In today's episode, we'll identify the areas in your operation most deserving of ADA attention and the problems that noncompliance could bring. Someone who's well acquainted with the ADA and its impact on small businesses is Eric M. Sarver. He's a New York City employment and labor law attorney with 23 years of experience, including 21 as founder of Sarver Law Firm PLLC. He mainly represented and litigated for employees claiming discrimination due to their disability before shifting in 2013 to represent businesses of all kinds, including laundromats and dry cleaners, helping them with compliance and best practices. Hi, Eric. Thank you for being my guest on the American Coin Op podcast. Bruce, hi. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you uh, for asking me to, to come on and speak with you today. Before we get started, I'd like to remind the audience that the information being shared today is provided for educational purposes only. It's not intended to provide specific advice or individual recommendations. Consult an attorney for advice regarding your particular situation. Uh, So my first question to you, Eric, can you generally describe the ADA and why understanding and following its guidelines can be so important to laundry owners? In a nutshell, I'd say the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, and for that matter, the amended version of the law, um, which is known as the ADAAA of 2008, it's basically a federal civil rights law, Bruce. It prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities, and it does so in all areas of public life. So that would include in employment, in public and private places that are open to the general public, as well as in education and transportation and in government programs. And the two main aspects of the ADA have to do with basically prohibiting uh, an entity from discriminating against a person. For example, not excluding them, harassing them, or creating unequal conditions of employment or unequal conditions of services based on their disability. And it also, of course, prevents uh, and outlaws retaliation against a disabled person uh, for bringing up their disability uh, and objecting to discrimination. But it also, the ADA has another aspect to it, another component, and that is that the law requires that a business, or for that matter, the government as well, must provide reasonable accommodations for a person with disability so that the disabled community can you know, participate in their employment, can use the public space, have public accommodation, and basically enjoy the same rights and the privileges that a non-disabled community experiences in society. Let's talk about ADA from an employment perspective. Where does the law come in when someone is hiring? And what about if a store owner employs a disabled person? How does the, uh, how does the law impact what a, uh, a store owner or a business owner must do? Let's say the business, the store owner, the establishment is hiring a disabled person. It's, they have to know that they can't discriminate in hiring, right? So they can't basically not give the person the job or take the job away or take away the opportunity based on that person's disability. So the it's important for the interviewer to, let's say, if the disability is visible and obvious, um, to make sure that's not a factor in uh, not giving the person the job. The instructor or the employer also needs to know that when interviewing, certain questions about disability status are off the table, off limits. So you can't really pry into one's disability um, you know, you can't ask if they have, for example, a psychiatric disorder or illness. You know, you can ask general questions about, say, somebody's 
you know, ability or rather someone's um, being available and able to do the job duties. Can you perform the essential job duties at hand? And you can also inquire as to whether or not they might need any kind of accommodations in their schedule that you should know about. But basically, as if you're hiring, just keep in mind that you can't pry into someone's disability and you can't not hire based on disability. Okay. Let's shift to a laundry's physical plant. Other than the entrance and the exit, where in the typical laundromat might the ADA come into play? So from my experience, Bruce, what I've seen with clients, I see laundromats, the folding table, not being, say, wheelchair height or the paper towel dispensers in the restroom, for that matter, um, the height for mirrors and soap machines, uh, even the bill changer, right? Can be at the wrong like, height. Keep in mind also about washer dryers being at the correct height as well. And, you know, I've seen issues with, say, a parking lot, perhaps the parking spaces aren't properly marked. So a person does not know where they need to park. Think about when those, you know, uh, handicapped or disabled um, logos for parking get sort of frayed or washed off um, and they need to be, you know, repainted in certain spots. I've seen that and I've seen just impediments in terms of steps or doors. You know, I think what happens, Bruce, is that I think a lot of people will approach the uh, the ADA compliance, the accommodations, from the point of view of an able-bodied person. So when we think of the bare basics, we think, okay, wheelchair ramp to get in, you know, like disabled, you know, uh, accessible stall in the restroom. But the little nuanced things that a disabled person might run into, might we might miss that. So those are things you need to really look out for in terms of public accommodations. Are there specific agencies or organizations that kind of police, for lack of a better term, or, or oversee the ADA and how it's applied or not applied uh, by a small business? Sure, there definitely are. Well, we started out talking about the employment right aspect. And so with the employment issue, let's say if you have an employer, you're, you know, you're hiring them and you're using a disability as a way to select the not employ them, or like maybe you're not giving them the accommodation they requested, even though it's reasonable and let's say medically documented, um, the agencies that might be uh, that are policing that would be in the employment realm, for example, um, the state human rights agencies and of course the discrimination laws. So, for example, in New York State, it would be the New York State Division of Human Rights. Uh, a lot of cities have their own version of that. The New York City Human Rights uh, Commission, for example, um, have enforcement agencies, and they they can review complaints of discrimination and they can make sure that a hearing takes place. But if you're not talking about public-facing accommodations, like, for example, a business doesn't have the proper, let's say, wheelchair ramp or folding table height, that would be a complaint to that the U.S. Department of Justice tends to oversee, the U.S. DOJ, right? They look into it and they investigate the business for having, let's say, a complaint of discrimination. So those are the main, there are other agencies that have to do with public government entities or health and human services, but I think, like, for our purposes today, the most important ones to look out for are the state agencies around discrimination and then the Department of Justice. Should a business owner only be concerned about ADA compliance at the time that they're building a new store or renovating a store? Or is this compliance something that figures into daily operation? I would definitely say that ADA and disability discrimination, the, um, the accommodations, really needs to be a day-to-day daily operations focus. I think a lot of employers and a lot of business owners believe that, you know, their obligations are done when the building is complete. But 
keep buying, but as a store, let's say gets you know renovated or, uh, or added on to, uh, there might be changes in, for example, you know, as I mentioned earlier, how high that folding table is, or perhaps like, access gets hindered. So short answer is it's definitely not a one and done deal. ADA compliance is the daily operations approach. How can a small business be penalized for not complying with the ADA? And would it have a chance or does it have a chance to correct any non-compliance issues before that are being raised before um, such a penalty might take effect? Yeah, that's a really important question to cover, right? Because we're here talking about this issue to warn business owners so that they can comply and not face some of these penalties. There are some penalties that one could face. Um, let's talking about public accommodations, for example. Federal law, the ADA allows for fines that can be as high as $75,000 for the first violation. And if there's a second or more violation of the ADA, those fines can be up to $150,000. And there are state and local governments as well, Bruce, that might have additional fines and might require businesses to meet a higher standard of accessibility than the ADA requires. So there's also, there's the issue of penalties of, that are monetary, right, financial in nature. And then there's, of course, what's called injunctive relief, which is that um, a, a patron may be able to, you know, petition a court to require uh, the agency, or rather, I'm sorry, the business owner, to correct a mistake, and, and as can the DOJ for that matter. So that actually has to do with the penalties around the ADA with public-facing combinations. In employment, on the other hand, there could be if it's say the person is let go, there could be loss of wages and like front pay and back pay and punitive damages that could be assigned by court. Um, and then in terms of your the second part of your question, Bruce, our listeners ought to at least rest assured that I think there is a chance to uh, basically perhaps avoid that penalty. You know, a lot of these laws like, allow the business owners say 120 days or so, right, to um, to correct an issue before that. Uh, so that penalty, let's say, gets assessed. Basically, you receive a letter, a sort of a, a notification of the violation, and the business owner has time to correct that um, and avoid a penalty. Is ADA compliance more likely to be enforced or more likely to be an issue, as it were, in a metropolitan area versus a rural setting? Does that have any bearing on um, on the compliance issue? The obligation under the law, Bruce, is the same, you know, whether you're in a one-horse town, like a small town somewhere, you know, or a metropolitan city, like New York City. But I think that in terms of enforcement, in terms of, you know, requirements being, let's say, upheld, I'd say in metropolitan areas, you have many more patrons, right, who, who do go to a place and many more employees might work there. So you might have more of a chance of either accommodations being rejected or perhaps not being met. So short answer is you might likely find more, uh, let's say, penalties and more, you know, enforcement in big cities, simply by way of volume of people that come through, and also those that might be perhaps more savvy to the ADA, um, have the resources to pursue a complaint. But it's important to note, again, that if you're in a small town, the requirements are the same, the penalties are the same, and if somebody files a complaint, it's going to be investigated, whether by the, the DOJ or, or another entity. So I would say to be careful and, and comply whether you're in a small or large city. As we close today, is there anything else about compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act that you'd like to leave with the American Coin-Op audience? I would like to leave people with the idea or the, the takeaway, Bruce, that the ADA, uh, it could be a time complex, 
right, in terms of like what's, what's required of one, what's involved, uh, granting an accommodation request, knowing when is it reasonable, when is it creating undue hardship, and when can the business say yes or no, you know, what qualifies like, as a disability. So my main takeaway is that if you as a business uh, are met with a complaint of disability discrimination, but don't try to just handle it on your own. I recommend seeking legal counsel. Eric M. Sarver is the principal and founder of the Sarver Law Firm, PLLC, based in New York City. Thank you, Eric, for being my guest on this episode of the American Coin Op Podcast. Bruce, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I hope that the uh, listeners today really come away from it a little more informed and in a better position to seek out the guidance they need. The American Coin Op Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazine's LLC in Chicago. Music is written by Nazar Ryback and provided by Hook Sounds. Our podcasts are available free at our website, AmericanCoinOp.com. And you can consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter, to learn about future episodes. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about the podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. For the American Coin Op Podcast, this is Bruce Beggs saying your cycle is up. <laughs>